Welcome to T2S2, a podcast all about innovation in Africa and especially in fintech. Africa has 1.2 billion people living here, but they've probably got less bank accounts and less credit cards than all of Manhattan. That's why so many smart things are being done here on the continent to solve this financial inclusion problem. And today we're speaking to Akshay Chopra, who is the VP and Head of Innovation for Visa in this larger Africa, Middle East and Central Europe region. Akshay, firstly, welcome aboard. And secondly, you must have a really fantastic job. <laughs> Thanks, Toby. Thanks for having me. And yes, I certainly do. It's it's a fantastic job. It's something that I'm very passionate about. Um, this region is relatively new to me. I've only moved to the Semia region about two years ago, prior to which I was in a similar role in uh, Asia Pacific. And I got to say that being in this part of payments, when we're looking to innovate and impact the lives of other people and bring more people into the formal financial system, equip them with digital payments, is uh, it's just a great thing to be able to do every day. Well, great. Welcome aboard. And I'm quite sure you saw a lot of the trends in, in uh, Pacific Asia starting to roll out. Yeah, I mean, in fact, let's just start with how do you see the world of financial transactions changing in general? Yeah, you know, if you look at especially the last one and a half years, it's been probably the most transformational period in the history of payments globally. Um, the one biggest trend we're seeing is that individuals who never paid with anything other than cash, who never brought anything online before, are now suddenly starting to do that. And at the same time, small merchants are doing that as, as well. So if, if, let's look at a typical user. Let's call him Bill. Now, Bill, like many people in Africa, may never have uh, you know used a credit card, as you said, or frankly, never even bothered to go online to buy something. But when Bill was at home under lockdown, he really had no option um, but to buy things online. And when he went into a shop, he was genuinely worried that I'm carrying around this cash, which is uh, infected possibly, and it could be a health crisis for me and my family. So he was more compelled than ever to try out other forms of payment. And, you know, take the merchant on the other side. Let's call her Sally. Now, Sally as well, uh, probably never accepted digital payments till this point, but she realizes that every other customer who walks into our store, if not every customer, is saying, hey, please, I don't want to pay by cash. I don't want to get gross here. Let me uh, just tap my card or my phone or scan a QR and move on. So we saw many of these stories emerge and in mass, people who never really cared that much about digital payments started adopting it in ways we'd never seen. I have to, I have to agree. I mean, there's been a rapid uptake of so much technology. And my, my, my personal view of it is that in the past, if you didn't understand how to use something, you could, if you were grandparents, you could ask your grandchild or you could ask someone in a shop. But during lockdown, there was no one you could ask. So people suddenly had to overcome their fear of learning something new or feeling stupid no one ever wants to feel stupid but they people had to overcome this and, and this ability to overcome fear of new technology or fear of doing something new meant that a lot of people out of necessity started using digital forms of something be it uh, transactions or uh, zoom calls or you know uh, getting their news online it's 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 enabled so many more people through an unfortunate consequence, a global pandemic, to start experiencing all the good stuff that the digital world can provide. Absolutely. And, you know, getting used to a new technology is not easy, right? And 
that is still something people can do fairly smoothly. Where it's become really hard is if you don't have a level of trust. Um, that is a harder barrier to overcome than just your fear of looking stupid or trying a new technology. And we saw this a lot in the online commerce space, right? Uh, where we saw a lot of people who are buying online for the first time didn't trust the system and didn't trust it enough to make a payment online. But at the same time, sellers didn't have that much faith either uh, about how they would conduct their business online. So let's go back to our uh, merchants, right? Bill the buyer and Sally the seller. And uh, let, let's look at that story, but from an online perspective. So Bill, the buyer, is, uh, you know, he has to buy something online for the first time. He has a credit card and he sees that, you know, he needs to enter uh, his credit card numbers and store them on this website and like a marketplace, uh, for example. And that's not something he's comfortable with because he thinks someone might steal his credit card details. Uh, he might also feel like, look, why am I giving you my credit card now? I should give it to you when I receive my items and I'm happy with them. Why pay for it upfront? I never do that in a shop. Um, similarly, on the other side, the seller feels that, look, um, if I give uh, this person their goods without actually uh, you know, taking cash or without some guarantee I'd get their money, I don't trust the system. They might run away. They might never pay me back. So the first-time buyers uh, and first-time sellers both didn't really trust in the system. So we've actually been trying to solve the trust problem as much as the seamlessness problem. Uh, one of the things we built in um, in the Ukraine, for example, with a uh, partner called Portmon and the Ukraine Postal Service is one of these cash-on-delivery solutions that tries to solve this problem. So, for example, when Bill buys something online, we say, look, give us your card number, but we won't charge it. We will just put a block on it like you do when you go into a hotel. Now, this gives the uh, buyer the comfort that I'm not money is leaving my account, but it also gives the seller the comfort that, look, uh, if I'm going to give them my goods and if they don't re uh, pay me for it, I have the right to go in and take the money because there is a block on the card for that much amount. So it's these little things that, you know, you solve for trust, you solve for convenience, you solve for security. And suddenly you're encouraging millions of people and millions of merchants uh, to start transacting digitally. Indeed. And I, I, I want to uh, double click, as the consultants used to say, on that idea about trust, because you know, fundamentally, technology may be a great enabler, but it's people who use the technology. And, and, and as much as we need to educate people how to use a, a payment system, whatever it is, uh, mobile money or using a credit card, or like you say, you know, why, why would they need my credit card before I've received the goods? It's as much an, an education of the process. And as you say, the trust, it's, it's a fundamental. We, you know, I'm used to it. I know that if I put my credit card in the, you know, just this very morning, some uh, toys arrived from Lego for my son, for my son, really. Trust is a big deal. As you said, the human element, the human story in all these situations is the most important thing to uncover. It's not about a product. It's not about a tool. You have to figure out what is the most effective way to enable that person to live their life better. Because if you don't, then it'll just be a product that won't get much adoption. So let's take the examples of, you know, getting small merchants to accept money. And I'm going to give you three very different stories that tie back to this. One from India, one from Thailand, and one very recently from Nigeria. So in 2016, end 2016, the government of India announced that 86% of the physical banknotes in the country are no longer legal tender with four hours notice. 
it's an extraordinary thing that happened. I mean, it's unprecedented exactly. in an age where the word unprecedented is becoming a little uh, overused. Exactly. It was remarkable. Indeed. And it was, it was a bold move. And, you know, there's many ways of looking at whether it was the right move or not. But fact is, whether you were the man on the street or if the merchant in the shop, you were scurrying to figure out, okay, now what do I do? How do I pay people? How do I get paid? Because nobody had the cash to pay you. So in India, with some of our banking partners, we developed these solutions that allowed merchants to very quickly onboard themselves uh, to download an app, basically, and sign up for um, a, a, an account very quickly on their mobile phone and start accepting payments by, you know, tap to phone or QR code in their shop pretty much immediately. So that was in the big cities in India, and a lot of uh, merchants took it up, and uh, that was, you know, great leap forward. The next year. The Thai government announced in 2017 that we want to sign up 1 million merchants for digital payments. Now, the thing was, these merchants were not the folks in the big cities because the big cities were already taken care of. These were the ones in rural Thailand and the mountains. Um, and we actually went down there and did a lot of research to figure out what's the best thing. Yes. What we very yeah. quickly found was that, you know, the, the quick, rapid solution that we'd built in India was not going down that well with merchants in Thailand. And so we tried to uncover, like, what's going on? Why don't they love it as much as yeah. the merchants in Mumbai and Delhi yeah. did? Yeah. And what we found was interesting. You know, when you're a small town merchant, you have all the time on your hand. Time and speed is not the biggest concern. It's trust, it's comfort that you really want. And what we realized that the way to reach these merchants and allow them to accept money on their phone is not by giving them new fancy tech, but it's by equipping the salespeople in the bank to be able to guide them, educate them, and you know, help them, ah. handhold them basically into the world of digital money. Yes. So completely different paradigm. Our, our stakeholder pretty much changed from that merchant to the bank salesperson uh, for that solution. Okay. But this was 2017, and then you know the pandemic hits in 2019, and we are trying to figure out how do we get more small merchants in Africa to accept payments. And then we've been working with uh, several partners. One of them is a really great company in Nigeria, Paga. Uh, it's a digital wallet there. Yes. Exactly. Awesome. They're a good bunch and they wanted to do the same thing. The CEO, Tayo and Jay, the co-founder, um, they wanted to also enable small merchants to accept uh, payments. Now, what when we went down with them, spoke to small merchants in stores and tried to understand what is the unique thing, pain point we need to solve for. Yes. Uh, we found that it was that, look, a lot of them, frankly, just can't afford the kind of a mobile phone you need in order to accept payments, right? Yeah. Affordability was the biggest thing. Like, yeah. they don't even have the device yet. How do we get them that device? And so the solution we ultimately built with uh, Paga was uh, Business Connect and Grow, which essentially allows a small merchant to buy this mobile device, which comes preloaded with a payment acceptance app. And they don't have yes. to buy it, pay for it all up front. They can buy it in installments. Yes. And the payment for that installment happens anytime someone, you know, pays that merchant with a mobile phone or a card, a little bit yeah. of that transaction goes towards the repayment of that device. But the, the reason I'm sharing these stories is if you look at the core solution here, it is very much the same, which is getting people, merchants to accept 
uh, digital uh, payments on their mobile phone. But the way you approach the solution is completely mm-hmm. different in all these three contexts. And that's why it's really important to uh, spend time talking to your stakeholders, apply some principles of design yeah. thinking, human-centered design. That's how you get to these solutions. Yeah, fascinating how in different countries and different cultural contexts, the different person is, is you know, is the, is the, uh, the, 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 the kind of, bottleneck for the uptake of the new service and interesting how you solved it. I must say, I like this, uh, this Paga uh, pay-as-you-go device. I mean, it really does give new meaning to the phrase pay-as-you-go. You know, as you get paid, you pay it off. I think it's fantastic because that's, that's a use-based repayment. You know, if I, I run a small business, I'm, I don't want to pay for something that I'm, I have to pay for but I don't use. But if you're paying it back as you use it, there's an internal logic to that. Yeah, absolutely, Toby. And, you know, another learning, and this is something in uh, in Africa you can expect to see coming in six months, a year, maybe a little longer, yes. is that, you know, getting these small merchants to accept payments is just the beginning of the game. Because what we later saw in Thailand and in India and many other markets where there was yeah. a big push to get uh, merchants digitized is that people just started relapsing back into cash. So, you know, take Billy the Merchant, when there was demonetization or COVID or, uh, you know, when the salesperson signed him up, um, or Sally the Merchant, actually, Sally the Merchant, when the salesperson signed them up, they were very excited about this new digital payment. They were accepting money like that. But, you know, as the months went by and people started using cash again, they kind of relapsed exactly back to where they were. And, uh, you know, with COVID as well, you, you know, we want to avoid that relapse back into cash because it's just not the right thing for the merchant or for the economy and what we've realized is that you got to give them more than just payment acceptance okay so you know sally the merchant doesn't wake up in the morning thinking about accepting payments maybe i do because i work in payments but sally does not she runs a shop my business partner ironically his name is sally and i I know she's very focused on making sure the payments arrive Exactly. Yeah. But the real thing that, you know, for any small business owner is that I want to run my business. I want to sell my goods or services and I want to feed my children at the end of the day. So that's what's really important to them. And if you just stop at saying here is a way to accept digital payments, cards, QR code, what have you, and walk away, that's not that helpful for them. Over time, they might just go back to cash. But if you give them a whole suite of tools that enable them to better manage their business, now, that's really going to help Sally, right? So it's not just payment acceptance, but allowing Sally to track her inventory on the mobile phone or um, being able to you know, pay her employees, pay her suppliers, even use the mobile phone as a cash register instead of a yes. physical register. So adding value to the merchant's life and business beyond just that payment acceptance is how we'll continue to build this digital economy and keep these merchants transacting digitally. Well, you, you answered my next question, which was, you know, once people see they've got the data digitally, uh, be it sales data or, the, you know, how much, uh, how many transactions they did this the, today, once you've got digital data, you can data mine it, you can apply business intelligence, you can see what your stock levels are. Um, that, that opens up a whole new way of doing business especially if you're a small retailer absolutely and you know on the the merchant front like we've seen unprecedented numbers in terms of people saying that i've gone online for the first time or i have accepted 
digital or contactless payments for the first time. Okay. Um, so many of them literally had to start from scratch. In fact, the vast majority yeah. to get digital here. Um, and at the same time, we're seeing similar trends with users, like uh, you know, a tiger leap from where we were pre-COVID. Uh, but essentially, a lot of first-timers now getting in the digital economy with payments. Now, when we talk to users and we ask them that, look, COVID-19 has gone on long enough. It was not just a you know one-month thing. It was like a lifestyle change that we've had for you know a long time now. We ask them, look, what percentage or how many of you will actually continue to use some of these new behaviors of buying online, paying contactlessly, um, not using cash versus how many of you will just go back to where things were in terms of how you conduct your shopping and groceries. By and large, we're seeing that people are saying we will continue with at least some, if not all of these digital payment habits well after the pandemic. Like this is our new normal. Um, and so, so we're seeing the same thing with merchants as well. They've realized the benefits of digitization and they've also pretty much figured out that their users are going to continue wanting to pay digitally. So they can't just go back to the way things were. And frankly, very few things in the world now can go back to the way things were pre-COVID. Yes, indeed. And, and I suppose in a way, terrible as it is, what we experienced with our business, which is a, you know, mostly a print magazine or was mostly a print magazine with very active digital uh, properties was uh, a, a, a switch from you know our revenue coming from mostly print to mostly digital and and that in a way it had been a slowly 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 process and suddenly it was accelerated in a year and and I think a lot of that's happened in the world hasn't it that like because of necessity things have flipped and now that things have flipped and when people see the ease of use. I know. I know. There's a there's a tempting ease with cash, but there's so much else that is of of value when you run a business to to get that uh, that extra value. I mean, I'm fascinated in 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 some of the other initiatives of you know some of which I know about how Visa is approaching this this new way of transacting. It is a fascinating story, no question about it. The most important thing, Toby, is that we have to think about the end-to-end user journey, thinking about the user's life, how that has changed, where we can add value, and then we start building in uh, our products and solution. It has to be in that order. And, you know, my team has spent a lot of time across many markets trying to look at how has their life changed in many key user journeys. Yeah. And I want to take an example of a, a, a customer, a normal individual called Casigo. Yes. And I want to look at how her life would have changed across five key user journeys. Okay. Buying, selling, moving, grooving, and living. I love and that's that. how we think about grooving. the new world of the user. Um, and, and let me shed some light on, uh, on all of these um, at a brief level, right? So okay. we talked about buying, how Casigo is now buying online more than she ever has, how she's um, also paying contactlessly and with digital payments more than she ever did in the past. We talked about selling in terms of how she and many other sellers are running their businesses online, uh, accepting digital payments uh, for the first time. Uh, We talked about some of those trends. Now, let's talk about moving, right? So moving, it could be both transit and travel. So we saw in some cases up to a 95% fall in ridership in public transport systems. We saw ride sharing and uh, public transit really take a big brunt during the lockdowns. And many of these systems have now started using 
um, you know, digital payment technologies because it makes it much easier for people to get into metros and buses and exactly. pay for, uh, you know, rideshare uh, kind of arrangements as well or your e-scooter or what have you. So that has digitized. Um, when you look at travel itself, not only has travel fundamentally changed, but in many cases we saw, especially for the airlines and hotels, you know, the flights were grounded, the hotels were shut, but the loyalty programs were the genuine uh, engine of growth for these. Yeah. And uh, so we were then working with a lot of these hotels and airlines to uh, turn the loyalty points into something that can be used on a day-to-day basis, improve that whole loyalty offering yeah. um, and, you know, make it another engine of growth and customer relationship. So that was a little bit about moving. If you look at grooving. Yes, you know, the way this is of- it. <laughs> I feel I feel like intrinsically I'm a man who grooves, you know. I may be entirely mistaken, Excellent. but I, I, you know. Now you're in the entertainment business, so you know a lot more about this than I do. But look, entertainment has fundamentally changed. Yes. Uh, for one, for example, you know, gaming, which was already a trend that is only going uh, bigger and bigger, it's going to levels that are unprecedented. Like everybody, everybody seems to be a gamer these days, and uh, a lot of these people they want to buy assets, they want to buy things that will, you know, help them in that gaming journey. It could be, you know, I want to buy a sword or a um, a shield in a game, or I want to buy an actual piece of hardware that allows me to perform better at my game. Uh, So we've actually tied up with a number of gaming providers like Sony and Razer and a couple in Russia as well. Um, And we've even launched gamer cards in some markets, which provide these kind of digital benefits, allow you to buy things in I saw one. I saw a picture of one. It's fantastic. I love it. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, it it you know it allows you to buy things in virtual realities and also get discounts on actual gaming hardware. But even like if you look at um, you know how entertainment and venues etc have changed uh, that too. Like virtual worlds are opening up in ways we never thought would be realistic. So augmented reality also uh, us tying up with a lot of these um, alternative entertainment providers, gamers. That's been one. And then the last part is living, right? So we talked about yeah. buying, seven, selling, um, moving, grooving, and living. Now, living is like getting your day-to-day life in order, of being able to pay your bills, being able to um, you know, get your government subsidy in some cases yes. in a way that's readily usable to you. And you know, Visa has played a role in all these things, like bill payments. Uh, um, you know, there was literally in the USA a card in which you can get your uh, U.S. Uh, stimulus during COVID. Um, and so just making life simpler for people is uh, something we want to play a role in, um, especially during those times when everyone was locked up at home and uh, you know they had to pretty much deal with their life head on. Um, so if we look at all these, you know, these five Uber journeys and the little sub journeys within that, we've seen transformation in virtually every aspect of your life. And um, and this is just the stuff that relates to commerce. I mean, there's obviously the way you connect with your family and friends. All that has changed. I'm so I'm sure sociologists are writing theses right now sure. on how this is going to change society. But like looking at commerce, uh, there's been a tremendous change, and uh, we've been there lockstep uh, to support some of that. Uh, and I and I've seen some of it because I, one of the things I'm very interested in is 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 I've been reading Visa's research on this this post credit card world as you call it uh, or you as as I understand it and and it's I mean it, it's fascinating when when you when you have a credit card it's awesome um, but you know as happened to me the other day um, Sally my business partner laughed at me I, I forgot my 
I forgot my wallet at home. I changed trousers and didn't realize I'd left them. And there I was standing in a, in a grocery store trying to pay. And I, I just noticed just out of the blue that Discovery Bank's virtual credit card in the app on my phone allowed me to pay. I didn't even know it was possible. It was, I mean, I joke, it was like magic. It was like experiencing something amazing that got me out of a difficult situation. And here I am, the publisher of a technology publication, and I was just thrilled and astounded at, at what technology could do for me, you know. Uh, and albeit it is a, it, it was a credit card, but it was a credit card on my phone. Yeah, 100%. And, you know, that's something that Visa and our partners like Apple, Samsung, Google, Fitbit, and many others have worked very hard over many years to enable and look, uh, and as you rightly said, it is the world after cards because, you know, a lot of people associate Visa with cards, right? Yeah. Like we've been around since 1958. You've seen us in your pocket in cards. And so it's, it's understandable. I'm, I'm, looking at, uh, I'm looking at your your new logo right now. Um, <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Um, but, but that's the thing, you know, the world beyond cards is it's, it's not about the plastic. It's not about any given form factor. It is about the credential. Yes. And a credential is a unique identifier that, you know, makes, uh, helps me understand that, yep, this is Toby. And Toby is on his own volition, fully aware that he's making this payment. And I need to make that easier for him. And we do that up to 65,000 times a second. Now, that credential doesn't need to be that plastic. It can be, as you saw on your phone. I just have to stop in 65,000 <laughs> times a second. Um, yep. That's amazing. Sorry, I interrupted you. No, it's a, it's a good interruption. But look, that's what it's about, right? Like, um, and it's not just about that card. So I'll give you an example of my wife. Um, so we were living in Singapore when Apple Pay came out in Singapore. And I obviously being in payments was one of the first people to sign up. And I was going around and, you know, tapping my phone and, and it's uh, paying not, with it's my not Visa card. It's not because you're a geek like me, hey? Definitely not. <laughs> Partly because of that, but yes, you know. Yes. But here's the thing: like initially, like with any new technology, it's initially is the early adopters, the geeks, who are most excited about yeah. that. So I went to my wife, who is patently not a geek, and I told her, "Look, this isn't this awesome? Like you've got your Visa card and your iPhone, and uh, or she had an Android back then, or your uh, Android, and you can just go and pay in the grocery store." So her first question was, "Oh, but what if someone steals my phone, or what if someone hacks into my phone? They'll get my card also, not just my phone." Yeah. And here's the thing, right? Like you, one doesn't realize, but you know that card on your phone is way more secure than any other form factor. It is amazingly um, so. Ex ex exactly. It, it's it's it uses like if I want to get a bit geeky here, it uses a technology called tokenization, yes. which basically takes your card number and just replaces it with a useless token. Yeah. Apple doesn't need to have that token. The merchant who you pay doesn't need to have your token. The token isn't even stored on your phone. So if someone somehow gets your phone and somehow they're even able to break the algorithms and hack into your phone, that card number for them is useless because yeah. it's not actually your card number. Yeah. Right. Uh, but as with any new technology, like, you know, you didn't have a fleet of people going around saying that, oh, you know what, this is what tokenization does. So folks like my wife uh, said, oh, wow, you know, you know, I'm not sure about this, etc. But now, like within like six months of that, and now it's been many years. But now, like I see her going into grocery stores and she's just paying with her iWatch, Apple I know, Watch. I know. And, uh, you know, some people pay with their Fitbit. So it, it's just that, uh, you know, the customer education and coming back to what you said, it's the world beyond cards. So it's the credential that matters. Indeed. Now that credential could be sitting 
in your pocket with the plastic embossing yeah it could be on your mobile phone it could be on your watch it could be on your fitbit it could be frankly in your google and your alexa the home speakers yeah. it could be in some of the biggest online merchants in the world where you store it online and just don't even think about it when you're reordering stuff and making payments on, uh, online to buy things so it's the credential that matters and we're very good at uh, making credentials and uh, that's where where the real story is that's where innovation becomes so much more possible i've experienced this firsthand uh, forgetting my wallet last week wasn't the first time last year i did it several times first i was uh, had a fitbit watch uh, and i used fitbit pay and that was really amazing the people who who saw me pay with my watch were always amazed that it, it never failed to solicit a wow um and now the same with an apple watch uh it's really it's just like mind-boggling you know my um uh, my business partner sally she takes her driver's license and her phone she's a very active runner cycler you know that's all she needs she's got her credit cards on her phone which as you say are probably the most secure way you can have a, a have a token but let's just um, i don't know why i keep coming back to this wonderful phrase let's double click on that because tokenization is, of course, one of the, the, the buzzwords of the moment, isn't it? Uh, NFTs and tokens on a blockchain. But it is ultimately the fundamental idea of these new ways of paying, isn't it? Because you could use it with, uh, you know, a credit card on a phone or a watch or, a, you know, or you could use it uh, for buying and selling a piece of digital art. It's, it's, a, it's a fundamental new way, I think, that people have to start thinking about transacting absolutely and look as you probably have seen on the news we're also uh, enabling and playing a large role in this whole cryptocurrency revolution so yes. um, and the way we look at it is really two things one is we want to make it easier for people to buy and sell cryptocurrency yeah so if you you toby you decide like you're going bull a big on dogecoin uh, we should be able to enable your visa credentials to make that purchase and eventually when you've um, you, when you think you've hit your target, you want to sell it, then too. Um, that's one thing. The other area where we want to play a role is also um, enabling actual purchases. Because guess what? There's not too many shops that accept Bitcoin or Ethereum yeah. or any crypto yeah. just yet. And lastly, and this is more of a back-end thing, but we've also started uh, building ways that we can settle in, uh, in stable coins and cryptocurrencies. And here's what I mean by settle in. Um, you know, every day at the end of the day, uh, banks settle trillions of dollars via the Visa network because you net out how much you owe the other banks, depending on how much uh, transactions have happened. And, uh, you know, that the money flows and nets out uh, towards the end of the day. And right now it all happens in dollars and the fiat currencies, as they call them. And it happens via wire transfers and so on. But ultimately, um, a lot of the new banks, so the new crypto focused issuers that are coming out, they don't want to deal with fiat currency at all. They just want to be able to directly settle with us in uh, cryptocurrencies as well. And we've just run this pilot in the US where a crypto.com, which is one of the biggest crypto exchanges in the world, can actually settle with us in yeah. stablecoin. So they don't have to touch uh, the fiat currency even at that last stage of the transaction. But broader than that, like the, the latest numbers I have seen is that there are 54 of the world's largest cryptocurrency exchanges yes. and wallets, they are issuing Visa cards. 
Great. So I'm talking about like the BlockFi, Crypto.com, Coinbase, you name it. Um, and we have by far like a leading share among these cryptocurrency exchanges. Okay. Because what we provide in this situation is we make people's cryptocurrencies usable at 70 million merchants globally. Okay. So, you know, if, if, Toby, if you're a secret uh, Bitcoin millionaire right now, yeah. um, you know, I there wish. aren't too many shops, <laughs> you, me, both. Uh, there aren't too many places where you can go and say, okay, I want to buy, um, you know, this cup of coffee with my uh, Bitcoin. Uh, the, like, by and large, people won't accept it. But guess what? If you have that Coinbase or BlockFi or Crypto.com Visa card, yeah. you can just uh, make a payment at any coffee shop that accepts Visa. Yeah. And the, for the merchant, they're just getting, uh, you know, the actual dollar amount for that coffee. But from your perspective, you're just seeing your Bitcoin balance go down a little bit by yeah. the amount of your yeah. currency. So mm. it's, it's a really seamlessly bridging those two worlds is what's key for us. Indeed, and there's a I see there's a there's a grooving uh, possibility or use case for that because uh, Las Vegas has got a new casino, um, the first one in a decade that uh, is very crypto friendly. So uh, you could, you could use it to Vegas if and when we can ever start traveling again. Uh, actually, this has been fascinating for me, and I and I'm 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 thrilled to hear about all of these great initiatives uh you know it's the it's it's the big companies like visa uh, and the big banks you know that are that are not getting the kind of uh popular headlines that the fintechs do but it's you know these the establishment uh, i'm pleased to hear is is so forward thinking and uh, engaged in such interesting developments thanks toby that was great being here thanks uh, for having me